if I can, if I can make people laugh at it, that's the best thing. If I can set touch upon this most sensitive thing, ah, and make the person laugh at it, I have succeeded. Yeah, that's true. That's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's that's the that's my that's that's my moment my moment of triumph. If I'm in my session with my client and we're talking about something really deep and really could be dark, I'll say something so outrageous. Then not rude and not improper, but if they laugh, then they got the whole joke. Welcome to another episode of As Woo Woo As You Want. Yeah, with Celine and, and Jeremiah. Hello. Hi, Hi everyone. Hey, Celine. Well, we have quite a uh, interesting, mm-hmm. amazing, and exciting guests that we're both super, super, super excited to have on the show. Yeah. Super psyched. Um, so I don't even know how much I want to intro it. Um, well, probably the name and the profession (laughs) would be good. (laughs) Those are good points. Um, so yes, uh, we are going to cut to our conversation with the one and only Michael Luton. Um, yeah, claps for that. Claps, um, claps, claps. Uh, as I assume many of you know who've been listening to the podcast, I've referenced Michael a bunch um, on the show. Yep. Michael's been an astrologer for, I don't know, 30, 40 years. His experience Maybe goes more. super far back. Um, he's like one of the most prominent astrologers in the States and probably the world. Um, he's New York based. Uh, he was the resident astrologer for Vanity Fair for a number of years. Um, and it's just an absolute honor that we were able to chat with him. Absolutely. It was a wonderful, insightful conversation. And I'm very excited for you guys to hear. Yeah. So without further ado, we're going to take you to our conversation with Michael Luton. Are we good? Yes. Hi, Michael. Hi, Michael. Hey. Hey. <laughs> How uh, are you? How are you? Nice to meet you. You too. Well, this is, I mean, I we're just both so uh, happy that you're, you're with us and um, going to be part of the podcast. Um, who was the most woo-woo interview you've had? <gasps> oh. I don't know. Jared, what do you think? The most, like, far out? I mean, we've had so many interesting people. Um, That's a great question. Oh, man. That is a really good question. <laughs> well, it's all relative also. Yeah. 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 But I guess that would go from from a strictly world war event going on and something to do with aliens. That would probably be the thing that is very popular. 
Yes. Um, yeah. We haven't had any aliens on yet, so not yet, but we're we're hoping. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. <laughs> you don't know whether you have or not. Ah, uh, what a wonderful response. Yes, you're right. You're right. I don't know. We don't know. We don't know. Well, you don't really know. I was going down a Broadway on a bus. This was about six months ago. And um, the bus stopped around the 80s, 90s, something. And a man got on. He was a black man. And he was about 50. And uh, looked kind of strange a little bit, but in New York, you know. And that he nodded to me and I nodded back to him. And it was a nod of uh, familiarity about it. I had never seen him before. And all of a sudden, as the bus started rolling down Broadway, his eyes rolled completely back in his head so that I was, visit I was seeing only the whites of his eyes. And it lasted for quite a minute. And then his eyes came back and he smiled at me. And I smiled back. And then he rang the buzzer and he got off. When I saw the way he was walking, he was walking as if his legs were on backwards. They really weren't, but thats he looked like he wasn't used to walking on those legs. I was blown away. Wow. What? It wasn't threatening. Okay, that was my that was gonna be my question. Nice. He, there was a moment of recognition and he smiled. People do that all the time than me. But when he got off the bus, then as the bus rolled away, I saw him walking down Broadway. But he was walking like a grasshopper almost, like his like his legs were like his joints were going the other way. But of course they really weren't, but it was it seemed like that. Mm. Wow. So you know, this is New York City. You never know. You never know. You never know who you're going to meet. It happened to me another time, too. I was going downtown at 7 o'clock at night, and I was taking the subway, which I don't usually take anymore. But I was taking the subway, and there was a very attractive young woman sitting opposite me and was uh, kept eyeing me, uh, eyeing me as if she, not as if she knew me, but she was, like, suspicious. And the same thing happened. With the eyes. With the eyes. The eyes, really, the eyes. Huh. Her eyes rolled back, and then they closed. <sighs> wow. So I've had a, I've had some very odd experiences. Uh, some I can't even reveal because they're they're nuts. But I've had a lot of uh, a lot of things since I'm a child. I've had experiences. So I've had belief in certain things, and now my beliefs in terms of the universe and the intelligent beings living on the universe that it has expanded to such a degree that I don't think as aliens as people wearing, uh, you know, globes on their head. I mean, I think that the, the universe is so chock full of intelligent beings mm -hmm. and, and have some of them have vastly superior modes of communication and travel. And it's not just a wishful thinking. This is something that is a, 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 a total reality now. And uh, that's part of why we can't be told the truth. Because we couldn't tolerate it. Right. 
It'd be too much for us. It would collapse society even more. And that's what's happening. I think what's going on now seems horrible, but it's the collapse of society as we knew it. And something new will take its place, but it's frightening. It's frightening to us. I like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. I don't want anything from another planet. <laughs> but, you know, but we, we're, we're facing a catastrophe such as we have never faced. And it's not because we uh, use too much greenhouse gases or anything. It's just, it's, this is a biblical, this is even pre-biblical. This is bigger than anything we've ever experienced. And, and that's what the sociological implications are because we never really acknowledged that it was all happening before. But now we are. Yeah, like the shift. Yeah. Yeah. It's and happening. It's very, very scary for us to have to deal with it. Because we are, ever since history, we've had a certain way of life, but it's over now. All right. Well, I guess we're here, right? So. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think that's why we're having this conversation, right? Um, People are are obviously sensing that (laughs) things are not the same. Uh, The peanut butter and jelly situation is is, uh, (laughs) no longer... Um, maybe, (laughs) maybe you're, you're eating it on an everything bagel or something, but it's, it's clearly different. The world is changing. And, you know, someone like you who looks at the stars and looks at the planets and looks at, you know, beyond just our kind of three-dimensional way of, uh, looking at the world, um, you've been an amazing, um, resource, I think for people like me and Celine and other people who have been listening to this podcast and in the, in the world in helping us kind of navigate or at least have some kind of understanding of, of what's going on. Well, thank you. Well, you know what? When planets are discovered that were not known before, there's a big brouhaha in science because they say this planet is bigger than Jupiter, this planet has 14 moons, And the scientists look at the discovery of planets as a physical discovery. That's what it is. And we we read about them and then we find out that there's, they have rings around and that tells us nothing. It tells us about the manifest vision of that planet, but it doesn't really say that now life is never going to be the same. But if astrology is true, and I believe it is, then the effect of the planets, once it becomes conscious, changes humanity. And depending on how rapidly the planet circles the sun, those changes in behavior and perception are either tremendously great and and causing upheaval, or they just uh, can be incorporated into life. But life is never the same. If you imagine when the planet Uranus was discovered, it wasn't supposed to be there. And what that that did in terms of the scientific community was a shake. It's a big shakeup. But look at the history books. I always thought it would be great to have, I'm not going to do this, but some young person will write a history book 
a history of the world as far back as you can, and it'll be in two columns. One column will be what happened on Earth, and the other will be what happened in this in society, because the society is always changed when a planet is discovered. Hmm. And so we're about to discover something so vast and unthinkable that we're falling apart, all of us. But we, but a lot of people will not survive this because people will go mental. But uh, eventually, life will go on. Society will be transformed and will com- and be completely transmuted but it will con- con- it will con- con- it will convene again mm-hmm. that's why it's so difficult for us to cope with this because What's, it's a, it's I'm a sorry for all sorry what well what what specific planet are you mentioning that's that's what it what is what is happening at, you know in like there's the astro- there's one called Eris, which I'm very interested in now Eris is now at the end of Aries. Mm-hmm. So we're having an Eris return. You know what that is, right? Of course. We're having an Eris return at about 25 Aries. The last time this was here, Columbus discovered America, and there was a big uh, massacre of the native people. Huh. So we are... We're living through a an Eris return, but there are there's Haumea, there's uh, there are so many planets now being discovered, and uh, uh, what's his name? Clay. His last name is Clay. He's he's written about uh, the, the the new planets far out, and he is serious about it. And you think, well, how could he know what they're about? If they're so far away and if their period is 600 years, you can still extrapolate. Because when I saw that Eris was having, we're having an Eris return. And where is Eris when Columbus got here and massacred all the Indians? That wasn't a good moment. But it showed me the level of humanity and the low level of humanity that can be manifested when the planet is discovered. So that's just one. But there's Haumea, which is another one I'm interested in. Because Haumea, which uh, it was, it's it's a uh, Hawaiian name. Haumea has just—I think it's three hundred years. I forget now, but it's it, it's about fertility and the changes in reproduction and fertility that are what we're noticing. So hmm. you can you can extrapolate what you want. You can make things up. You can use your imagination, but that that's wonderful. But it takes time to understand it. I remember reading, there was a book called uh, Pluto, obviously, it was called Pluto, it was about Pluto, and it was written by a German man named uh, Brunhubner, and he published it in, I think, 31 or 32, and when I read it, I thought, how does this guy know this about Pluto? It was very dark and very scary, but it didn't talk about the great transformations that it brings. And, you know, since then, we've had almost 100 years to observe Pluto. And we realize that Pluto does cause complete devastation. But if you're patient enough, 
it becomes fertile ground. There's a there's an there's a uh, island called uh, Circe uh, in in the North Sea, and it rose out of the. I think it was the 1960s. It rose up, and it left a blackened hole in the in the ocean, which was just lava frozen over, and it was really ugly. Now it's become a, a sanctuary for birds and animals. Mm. You see the pictures of it. It's all green. It's beautiful. I don't think humans are allowed to go on, and I don't think so. Wow. But that's what happens to Pluto. It's a devastating event, and you can't say it's not. And we're in the middle of a devastating event. We're not in the great moment of the transformation yet well but you have to take because pluto does bring fertility after it devastates but we didn't know that when it happened right mm. we were right. just getting world war world between the world wars when this was discovered between you know between 30 and, and 40 hmm. we were headed for a really ugly and dark moment Interesting. Yeah. So it sounds like you're referencing a number of different transits that are happening right now. And one that I definitely wanted to talk about and that I've mentioned many times on this podcast before is your Vanity Fair piece from 2016, uh, 2006, the, the America Pluto return. I live to regret it. Yeah. Yes. <gasps> that's you live to regret it. Really? What does that mean? What do you mean? Well, I, that was the last uh, the last column I wrote for Vanity Fair, for no choice of mine. Oh, oh, it was too much for them, you think? I had a lot of theories about it. One, yeah. I thought I had gone as far as I could go with that kind of 12-sign horoscope writing. If I had to write one now, I'd kill myself. <laughs> so I, I yeah. Can't, I can't, you know, and I, had, I loved doing that. I yeah. loved it. But, but I came to the end of my road with that, and I had to switch. I, it was a Pluto thing. I had to completely change my work. Hmm. So I did. I changed my personal practice, and I changed my writing. But I think that what you're saying is right. It changed everything for everybody. Yeah. What happened in 20 was just the icing on the cake. 2020 is the icing on the cake. Yeah. 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 What don't about? Run, but don't run your finger through the frosting. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good line. What do you do? You think that I've heard that kind of things astrologically kind of like settle a bit. Twenty twenty three, twenty twenty four. Do you see that as well, or what are your? What is your you know feeling about that? I have an odd attitude toward it all. Please elaborate. What am I going to do this afternoon? I see. I don't project. That was a freak. I'll tell you the weird. I could tell you the story of how that came about. It's a little bit long. But I was told to write that story. And I could give you the story. I'm happy to do it. It Please. was a very weird. Yeah. But yeah. it may take your time. But I was told to write that story. I had started writing it. And I went to speak at Lilydale. Do you know where Lilydale is? Yes. So I, I went I to speak 
I went to speak at Lilydale. And I was supposed to speak about the nodes. But when I got up to Lilydale, I saw they're sitting around talking to dead people. They don't want to hear about the nodes. So I changed my topic at that last minute, and I talked about death anxiety, which everybody up there must be interested in death anxiety. They talk to dead people all the time. And at the end of my talk, I was being driven by the leader of the group. She's a wonderful person. I was being driven to my airport where up in Buffalo. And she touched my arm and she said, someone wants to talk to you. So I said, yeah, who? I thought it was somebody who was there. She said, somebody who was a client of yours, but he is no longer alive. He's not here. But I said, who's that? And I had just lost my literary agent recently before that. I thought it was Al talking to me. Hmm. So she said, no, he's a client. And I said, client? She said, yes, and he worked for NASA. I said, I don't have clients that work for NASA. I don't know who you're talking about. It must be a wrong number. She said, no, seriously, he's very grateful for what you did for him. But he worked on the Mars project. I said, I don't know who you mean. It's, 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 uh, it's a nice try, but it's, that doesn't work. And then she said to me, He's French. And I took out my Saint-Michel medal that I've been wearing since I've been a kid. And I said, well, it has to do with this, Saint-Michel. She said, oh, where did you get that? I said, I got it in Paris in a, in a cathedral. She, so she asked me what cathedral, and I told her, she said, that was his parish. His name is Michel Gauquin. Michel Gauquin was fainted in a spot. First of all, he had been dead 16 years. She didn't know him. She didn't know how I knew him. She didn't know if I had helped him with something. She didn't know anything. But she said, he's encouraging you to write this piece. Wow. I said, you've got to be kidding. She said, no, he is behind you on this piece. So I took it to heart because I felt bad that I had, you know, lost him as a friend. And I wrote the piece and it got published the last minute. They were going to not publish it. They said they had no room for it. But I said, take my column out and put that in instead. So they did and they published it and the rest was history. But that came from Michelle Goldklan, mm -hmm. 16 years after he had died. Figure that one out. Wow. That's an amazing story. Wild. Yeah. And I felt that, well, and then it turned out when she said he, he worked for NASA, I said, no, he never did. She said he worked on the Mars project. And then I realized that's what his work was, the transits of Mars. Mm. He, that mm -hmm. was his secret work that he was doing uh, uh, planetary heredity and the position of Mars. He found that Mars had certain to do with athletics. If it was in one place in the chart, if it, it, he, he, he never worked for uh, NASA. It was all the astrology work that he did. Right. And got slapped in the face for by his own community.
because he was a scientist. But I helped him with something very important at the end of his life. And, and uh, he never, I guess he did, he still remembers it. But I want to give him credit for that because he pushed me into that. And I never believed in, you know, that kind of thing. I mean, so I know now there are all kinds of communications and they're not all done on the telephone. <laughs> there are all kinds of communication. Yeah. And they don't, and, and there are all kinds of beings. There are so many beings of with intelligence and wisdom. And they're not all the scary ones that we see, but there's plenty of scary ones. Right. We're in the middle of being revealed. That's being revealed to us. Part of this is all about uh, being shown that there, that, that there are many beings. Part of what's happening is, is it, and we couldn't take it. If we found out that we didn't need oil anymore and we didn't need money anymore and we didn't, it would be very impossible. It has, those things have to be shown gradually. Mm-hmm. So do you, I mean, um, this is actually something Selena and I have talked about in other episodes and we follow, speaking of different kinds of communications, we follow um, a person who channels an uh, extra um, terrestrial individual being, I don't know if you know Bashar, but um, that person has said that there will be uh, third contact um, within the next couple of years. And it sounds like it's going to be something that's not just, you know, that obviously there are beings around us all the time and there's certain people attuned to it, but that there's going to be a much clearer, almost more general sense of like, oh no, there's really some other beings out here. Do you, do you feel that that's what's going to be occurring in the next few years? Yes. And a lot of people will think it's fake. Yeah. A lot of people think that's the American military. Mm. Because we will not be able to be sure whether it's the military or real. Because there are people like you, like Celine, there and, and, and uh, me, who are waiting for such a communication. And there are others who are waiting to get more power. Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Not everybody is going to just suddenly run toward the Holy Ghost. <laughs> yeah. And there are people who think that they can win this war. Because every war ends the same way. You just have to step over the dead and shake hands with the opposition. Every war ends that way. Well, we people, you're why are you doing this show? You're because you are dedicated to opening up the minds of beings. You could spend your day in doing something different, having your hair done. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, what do you think? Like, how do you what do you tell people when they they feel really nervous and overwhelmed and like very fearful? Like, how do you? How do you advise people to like feel safe, you know, through this chaotic time? Like, what? How do you? How do you do that in your practice or with, you know, yourself? Tremendously. 
I don't just do a horoscope reading anymore to say you have the moon here and Venus here. I never do that anymore. What I try to do is extract the areas of that horoscope that the person needs to completely embrace if they were never, if they were going to only live a year. Ah, uh, that's cool. I touch into some people's passion mm. that they can embrace. And it's sometimes not what you think. It's like somebody saying, I don't want to be like my mother. All she did was cook for us kids. I think, gee, that's too bad. I don't want to be like her. What do you want to be? I don't know, but I want to, I don't want to be like that. I said, yes, that's what you really want to be, but you're afraid of being like your mother. So that's what it is. It's being embracing in your horoscope. Those things that we run away from, we all do it. Right. So our like shadowy kind of things that we don't, we embrace, embrace it versus run away from it. Sorry. Somebody who never finished high school or college, but they have made a life of traveling and documenting their travels. It's not for a book they're doing. That's what they're doing. And then they say, I wish I could have settled down and written a book. Well, you didn't. Mm-hmm. What you do is what you did. Okay. And and so for so your work now is is centered around that around if just helping people see what they need to be doing or why they incarnated in this lifetime. What, what will make them happiest? Right. But that they were told, no, you can't do that. Nobody's a painter today. Mm-hmm. You're not living as a painter. No, you can't stay single all your life. You've got to settle down. You have kids. So people are conditioned to think that they should be doing the very opposite that they're doing. Because that's the thing that they should do. And if I can help them discover what their real thing is, that's a good horoscope reading. Some people don't like it. But I think that that's what I can contribute now to wake people up, not to the fact there are aliens circling the globe. That's not what I want to wake them up to. (laughs) No, no. Who cares? Uh, People up to their joy. What are you waiting for? Yeah, that's the name of the game, huh? And we're taught, no, that's not right. You can't do that. You can't quit school and go around the world at 17 years old. You'll get killed. Right. So society is is behind everything. Because it drives us forward, and because we're we're all we're all uh, uh, victims of death anxiety. Because your first experience on Earth was the death experience when you had to go down the canal and you didn't know what was at the other end. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So death anxiety is always part of it. But if we can if we can just get a handle on the death anxiety uh, to 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 grab hold even briefly of the ecstasy that we look for all the time. That's my goal now. So I do a lot of readings on, on Zoom. And I, <laughs> I, 
I do a lot on FaceTime, which I like better, and I hate Skype. You know why? Because in the middle of the Skype, that's what happens. Oh. oh. <laughs> <laughs> While you're saying the most important. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't like Skype. I like FaceTime. And I think WhatsApp is pretty good, but I don't like us. Uh, that happens all the time in Skype to me. Do you have that happen also? I don't really use Skype. Oh, that's you, cool. uh, I, I use it, yeah, for my Spanish class. But um, otherwise, no, I don't really use it. They, they're all not great. Have you, yeah. Michael, have you um, started seeing people in person at all again? I'm waiting for the development of the Mindaphone telepathy my nephew and i always use the mind of phone well hopefully you know within the next century we'll get it together probably, <laughs> probably but we have to become a part of the system to do that we have to become you know and that whole thing about bill gates and being afraid to be part of the the system and control us i hate that idea and i hate that thought but it's probably going to happen people will be partly cybernetic is that a real word, cybernetic? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I understood what you meant. I don't know if it is a real world, real, real word. I think also, people... Also, though, that sounds kind of cool. I don't know. Why not? We already use so much technology. I think it's very, I think it's very hard to face a new reality for everybody when the society is changing. You know, you think of 1903 when telephones were beginning to be in the house. Yeah. And what it was like for a family to be sitting down to their fancy meal, all changed their clothes nice for dinner, and Papa was gruff but loving, and, <laughs> and all of a sudden the phone rings. Mm. What an invasion of privacy that must have been for those people. Now everybody sits around the table with their phone. Yeah, but I do feel like the younger generation, like the youth more, are like more... I, I do think that they have a different energy that's more radical and ready for a change to happen versus older. I mean, I feel like that's... Isn't that oh, essentially that, the age that's of... Gotta, that's got to be true. Yeah, so like I'm not... I, I feel I feel kind of hopeful for the future. Right, it always awful to us. Yeah, it's not gonna be. It's gonna be. It's harder for older generations than the the younger ones who are coming in with this. Oomph. That's, that's well, absolutely. I was gonna say it seems like we're what we're circling around is the Aquarian age. I don't know, Michael, yeah. if you have a a feeling on. I know there's all discussions about when it started. Has it started? It has started, but. Uh, if you wanted to expand on that, um, it'd be really interesting to hear. Your the thoughts. bus already left. Yeah. The bus. The bus already left. I mean, the internet, right? Like everything's in the air now. So, technology. radio. Radio, right? Radio, right? Radio, and you know, one of the things that I've been thinking lately is many of the phenomena that we experience as magic or religious experience are really underdeveloped science. I mean, yes. 
So, so we see, I mean, but that doesn't mean that there are not mystical experiences. I was thinking this morning of when the angels came around the Bethlehem and they were fluttering around the things. We see it in a spiritual way, but maybe it was actually really little, little short, little aliens with their wings coming around. It might have been, but the interpretation doesn't mean that it wasn't a spiritual event, the Bethlehem event. But it could have, there could have been involved with more technology than we understood at the time. So just because things are interpreted in a magical way, that doesn't mean there are not magical things happening. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Experiencing things in a magical or spiritual way, mm. right? Is science it is I've I've is had the a, new science almost you know I think it will be the new science we'll understand sure how to use the language to describe these more esoteric and magical and mystical events and it's not going to be so like poo pooed upon you know I would hope I agree I think that I've had experiences when I used to live in France when I was younger uh, I had certain experiences that are incredible that they can't just be normal things that happened to me mm-hmm. and yet they were just because they were beyond my ken of comprehension at the time right but do i believe that there is a good force out there wishing love and light to all of us yes Oof, that's a relief and are there also equal forces that would like to dominate and control Every move we make, yes. I believe we're in such a war at this moment. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, it definitely feels that way. A lot of stuff. A lot of... Like, I feel like Jared and I were talking last week, or even this month has felt just so chaotic, right? Like, the energy is just heavy and hitting and like you know it's almost like being like a ping pong yeah you know like all this energy is like coming at you and you have to just navigate it well war is war is the experience of confusing the enemy yeah Hmm. yeah so people have a certain coterie around them that's safe but beyond that, it's impossible to trust strangers. Mm. But we have to trust strangers. That's what we are as a species. But whoever is getting us to mistrust each other is getting us to be afraid. And fear causes illness and disease as much as anything else does. The fear of something is just as bad as the cooties. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's why overcoming the fear is being able to not be afraid of death. Right. Because you might die, you might die from this and you might not. But that's a good way to scare the, pardon me, shit out of people. (laughs) Yeah. Is to make them afraid of something that that's beyond their control to do anything about. 
Yeah, scare them and control them, right? You scare them enough and they'll wear a mask on their ass. <laughs> yeah. You, you scare them enough and they will be yours. Do you but feel... If, over, if you can overcome your fear of what they're trying to do, you're one step ahead of the game. Do you feel like living in New York City is is more difficult now? Like, do you want to, like, move to, like, the woods? I want My whole family's in Florida. Okay. And I didn't go with them. I stayed here to help support the economy and to keep the thing going. Yeah. But I go, I'd like to, I could, I, I mean, I'm still in New York. I'm still facing it. Yeah. But I, I, I'd like to go to Florida and be with my family. Yeah. Yeah. I'm thinking yeah. maybe a part of time. Yeah. 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 I mean, I just New York, mentioned it. New York is not scary the way the news says it. You'd think that people were throwing bombs at each other when you read the news. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There's never been anything like that that I've run into or anybody who's who's been threatening. I've never had that. And yeah. all during the pandemic, I went to work every day hmm. because I considered myself a healthcare worker. And I had to go to do my clients, even though they were on Zoom, and even though that they were on uh, in the FaceTime, I had to go to the office because all their documentation was down in my office. So I went to I went to work every day during 2020, right? And right. took care of myself. I took care. I took all the things you're supposed to take for the vitamins and everything. I did all that. Yeah. It's a pretty wild time. I don't want to catch anything horrible. No. But I also don't want to be frightened into sitting in my house for another year. Yeah. People who didn't come out of the house for a year. And that's got to be terrible for mental, physical health, everything. I mentioned the leaving New York thing is because for the last week I went away, I went and I stayed at my aunt's house in the country and I, I just came back yesterday and I definitely, it was a nice feeling for me to leave. Like I've been feeling very heavy in the city. Like um, my, uh, just the amount of everyone else. I feel like my bubble isn't as strong as it use, usually is. So I was wondering, I mean, that's why I asked you the question, because I assume you have more of a sensitivity. I just feel more sensitive to others. And so well, I was a friend of mine who has an absolutely beautiful house on the ocean in Maine. Mm. Invited me up to his family's place a few weeks ago. I was so excited. I love the ocean. Just before we went, I got sick. Mm. Oh. Or I thought I I had all the doctors and everything. I had nothing wrong with me. It was yeah. the anxiety of leaving the city that caused it. Oh. Interesting. So it's also partly that I'm here because I'm doing work here. Yeah. And so are you. Yeah. Yes. So in 
crazy way I trust being here for now anyway. Mm, I like that. I get that a lot of here, but right at the moment, I'm, my people are here. My stores are here. My, my dog, my cat food place is here. My mm-hmm. outdoor restaurant is here. Yeah. I have every, you know, I have things here, but I'm very alone. Chiron and Aries is showing people what loneliness really is. It's been going on two years. And Chiron and Aries is teaches you what it means to be alone. Hmm. Yeah, I'm having a Chiron thing happen in the in the September, November. Get You're ready for that. Get ready. My node, my node, my nodes are going to go over my Chiron in September, October. So, which? Um, well, Jared and I are both in our nodal returns because we're 37 and a half, 38. So, we've had that going on the last. So, year. do you have Chiron in Aries also? No, my Chiron is in Taurus. In Taurus? Yeah. So, we'll. So you're having a node reversal. Yeah, that's very big. That's yeah. very big. Very but uh, one thing, every time there's a big node aspect, you get free of something. I know. I'm, I'm excited. And I'm also, what is it? You know, I have all the feelings about it, but big release time. So anyway, uh, that was not, that's not, not about, that was just me. well um i don't know michael if there's anything else you wanted to share but i i I can speak for for me and i know for selene and i'm sure all your clients and for anyone who follows astrology that you've definitely been a guiding light through a lot and that's wonderful to hear that because it's very hard sometimes yeah for sure absolutely i mean i think your work has been I mean, I'll speak just personally throughout, you know, the years of um, since you wrote that article that the the um, Vanity Fair article, it's honestly been a guiding light for me. It, it's just helped me kind of see, OK, we're going through a Pluto return, you know, it just to add some kind of, you know, logic or sense to the situation to look at it from some kind of. <laughs> framework of understandability. Um, and uh, I, I'm sure that there are other people who, you know, that's the beauty of astrology, right? It, it allows us to kind of digest things that are unintelligible in an intelligible way. And you're a huge, a, a huge part. Yeah. Of that. Thanks for saying that. Because this is, if you think of when the country started, it was just as chaotic. People were going nuts. In the first Pluto, when when Pluto first went through Capricorn and they were forming the country, it was just as crazy as uh, Nancy Pelosi now. Everybody was, everybody was, well, everybody was nuts. Because there were a lot of people that did not want to separate from England. Mm -hmm. They were called traitors. But they thought they were patriots because they thought that patriotism was to stay with the colonies. So there was a split in society every bit as intense as the one we're going through now because the question between traitor and patriot, they were interchangeable. 
Some people thought they were a patriot to break away from London, from England, and start a new country. Other people felt that was purely that was treason. Yeah. Yeah. We're we're in exactly the same place. Who's the traitor and who's the patriot? Is what I wanted to say. Mm-hmm. The only answer is you got to love the person you hate. Oh, yes. You have to. You have to love, and the people they hate, the things that they say. I read about them. They hate Trump to such a degree. And when I want to go with them, I say, you have to love this man. And they go crazy. And the same thing was true with Biden. They say, they say he's ruining the country. It's going to be like China. They can't stand it. But I say, you have to love him, too, because you have to love the person you hate. That's, that's like being married. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You have to love the person you can't stand. That's what makes marriages work. Because you can love the person like crazy, but one thing about them drives you nuts. <laughs> the way they chew peanuts. <laughs> I can't stand so the way he chews the peanuts. <laughs> Would you please, please go in the bathroom and chew the peanuts? <laughs> I can't stand it. <laughs> oh. And the guy and then the guy dies, and you say, oh, he had the cutest way of eating the peanuts. peanuts. <laughs> <laughs> I loved the peanuts. Oh, yeah. You know, what are you going to do? At the end of the day, it's all just a construct, right? So you got to, I don't know, be neutral about stuff. Well, I guess. I mean, it's an option. That's not a great I one. Hope, I hope that I can have the courage to keep myself in a non-fear but inspiring way. I hope I can. Me too. I bet but you can. If I moved out of New York, it wouldn't make any difference. It wouldn't be, that, oh, you have to be in New York. My work will continue wherever I am, and it has. When I go on vacation, I still keep working. Yeah, that's great. Well, we appreciate you, um, and I hope it's you continue not- to do all of your work. I mean, it's wonderful, wonderful, you know, helpful, big-time stuff. I mean, if Jeremiah's I- talked about you for years. Ooh. So, Jeremiah... If I can, if I can make people laugh at it, that's the best thing. If I can set touch upon this most sensitive thing, ah, and make the person laugh at it, I have succeeded. Yeah, that's true. That's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's that's the that's my that's that's my moment my moment of triumph. If I'm in my session with my client and we're talking about something really deep and really could be dark. I'll say something so outrageous, then not rude and not improper, but if they laugh, then they got the whole joke. Yeah, that's great. That's great. <laughs> I think that's a good way to to wrap up. No. Yeah. Got it. Okay. I, I, it's been wonderful for me. 
Same yes. here, Michael. Absolutely. Such a pleasure. And, so amazing. Um, please take care of yourself and um, just I'll wishing try you... try and come to the office sometime and do a, a little something. Yeah. That'd be great. That would be great. We would love to. Yes, let's definitely keep in contact. War zone. <laughs> Wait, say that again, Michael. We'll say we're speaking to you from the war zone. Yes, we'll have yes. A, we'll have yeah. sound of bombs going off. Report, this report. is 14th Street and Broadway. <laughs> Reporting oh, from boy. the trenches. <clears throat> well, thank you guys very much. Thanks for doing this. I'm glad we made a connection. Yes, Me same too. here. Same it was here. so lovely. Wishing so you all lovely. the best, and we'll we'll definitely be in touch. Thanks. Talk to you soon. Okay. Take Bye, care, Michael. Michael. Bye, you guys. All right. Well, we hope everyone enjoyed that conversation. Um, yes. It was. I think it was just Michael. I, we kind of knew that, like on 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 the outset. I was like, I don't think this is going to be your normal interview. No. Like, how long have you been doing this? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What got you into yeah. this? No. He's yeah. more. I think Michael is somebody who has so much experience and during this time, you know, it's kind of like he's in he the trenches during an interview that I really loved the bus already left. Oh, with the, with the Aquarian age or. Yeah. You know, yeah. he's kind of like searching for all of us to get into our passion, find out what excites us. Like not, you know, maybe not tune into the, so much of the noise around us. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah, I, I kind of think that's the takeaway and, you know, we're living in real intense times, but you know, we all, we, on some level, we all tagged in. So I think we all have great opportunity to, to grow and like, you know, ride that wave into the sunset. <laughs> Right yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you 100%. Um, so yes, thank you all for tuning in. And we hope everyone's having a good summer, a healthy summer. I hope, you know, we hope you're staying safe. Mm -hmm. um, please get vaccinated. <laughs> I'm just please. saying it. I'm sorry, but please. Um, and uh, we love you and we are, we really appreciate you listening to the podcast and, um, we know we, we took a little bit of a break, but we'll be back with many more guests to come. And so mm -hmm. stick around and yeah, take care. Bye. Bye. Bye.